But how many of you are ready for the Word of God this morning? Amen. 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 Well, we are in part nine of a series that we're simply calling No Matter What. It's based off one of my favorite books of the Bible, and I've said this to you for nine weeks now. I absolutely love the book of Philippians. It's one of those books that you can sit down and and read through in one sitting. You can read through it once or twice or three times and just allow the Word of God to penetrate the very core of who you are. You see, unlike a lot of Paul's books, um, many of them he takes the time to correct or um, turn or spin what's happening in the right direction. In the book of Philippians, he spends a lot of time talking about no matter what you face in life, no matter what you come up against, no matter how difficult it may be, no matter how uncertain circumstances around you may be, we, the church, we, the people, we, the followers of Christ, have an opportunity to choose joy. And I look at our current situation and I think, man, God, we can't do this without you. God, there's so much chaos around us, ups and downs, and everything is just extreme, and everybody's offended by everything, and we're uncertain about what's going on, and we're fearful. We're wearing a mask everywhere and not saying you should, not saying you should, but I'm just saying we live in fear, stricken with this idea of what happens, right? But we have an opportunity No matter what we face, as Job said, in the good times and in the bad times, we have the opportunity to choose joy. And I ask you on the onset of this service today, what are you going to choose? Now, it would be easy right now in this room. We've just exited a time of of worship and and our spirits are in the right place and we're really focused in on God. It would be easy right now to say, man, pastor, I'm going to choose joy. But what happens when the bottom falls out? What happens when The doctor calls with bad news. What happens when situations turn upside down? What happens when that what you thought was right empties out in the bottom and you're not really sure where to turn? What do you do in that moment? Paul says, no matter what. No matter what, I challenge you. Choose joy. Well, last Sunday we began a discussion that I want to conclude today It's a topic that I believe applies to virtually every person, not only in this room, but even those watching online today. It applies to every single one of us. I want to talk to you about this idea of having a plan for success, a plan for success spiritually, a plan for success success relationally, a plan for success on the work side of things, everything we do, every move we make to have a plan for success. Why? Because I've never met a person who wanted to be a failure in life. More times than not, we say things like, I just want to be a success. Paul says it this way in Philippians chapter 3. He says, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection. But I press on 
to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. I don't have time to recap all of last week, but suffice it to say, you have been chosen. You have been picked the first draft team. God has called you by name. He knows everything about you, yet he still chose you and gave you a purpose, even in the midst of opposition, difficulty, and strife. Why? Because you're his. So very quickly, let me recap the first two keys that I gave you last week. Let's see if you remember them. Don't put them on the screen yet. Do you remember key number one? Let's see it on the screen. (laughs) Evaluation. We must evaluate. You've got to find out where you are. You've got to to take a, a scan or an examination of where you stand right now before you can ever get to where you need to be. In our text, Paul says, I don't claim to have already succeeded. I I don't claim to already be perfect. You have to know where you stand. You have to define the relationship with Jesus Christ. Paul was honest about his faults. To me, this is an amazing statement. Paul, by this point in time in his ministry, was a pretty old man. If anybody had the right to claim they had arrived, it would have been Paul, he made an incredible impact on the world for the kingdom of God, spreading the good news of Jesus all across the region. And yet, at the end of his life, Paul says, I don't have it all together. I don't know about you, but that's encouraging to me. Right? Because if we're honest with ourselves, if we would really evaluate ourselves today, if we would really grab a hold of the truth, the reality of the fact, not a single one of us in this room today have arrived. The first thing you've got to do is evaluate where you are. This leads us to our second key, elimination. You've got to remove the junk that slows you down. You've got to remove the things that that keep you from moving forward. Paul says it this way. I focus on this one thing. Say it with me. Forgetting the past. He says this is the primary focus of my life. This is the thing that I've got to wrap myself around. Now that I've evaluated where I am, what I've got to do now is begin to get rid of the junk. Anybody ever have junk they need to get rid of? We just went through my mom's uh, garage recently, and she's probably watching this, so sorry, mom. Um, We spent about two and a half days processing through just stuff, items that accumulated, things that we had good intentions over the years of having a yard sale, and we put it in the box and marked it yard sale. You know, we had all of these boxes sitting around and things to sort through. There are times in life we've got to eliminate the junk so that we can use the situation of where we are for the purpose that it was given. Her garage, the goal this year is to use it for a car. (laughs) Right? That's the purpose for why garages were created. Yet many times, what do we do? We use it to store all the stuff. 
the stuff that really probably is worthless, yet we sit the car that is worth whatever in the, par- in the driveway and allow all the weather to pour upon it? Ser- seriously, guys, spiritually, we're the same way. God says, I've got such a great plan and a purpose for your life, but you're allowing your life to be consumed with so much junk, you need to eliminate that which holds you back. Two things we need to eliminate. Number one, we have to forget our failures. Listen carefully to this next statement. Nothing you ever do will change your past. The past is over. The past is behind you. No tears, no regret, no self-pity. Nothing's going to change. What you have to do is evaluate where you are and eliminate the past. The second thing you must forget are your successes. We can't spend our entire life hanging out on the success of 1972, 1984, 2003, whatever that year was for you, whenever that highlight moment was, whatever that time frame is that you return to on a regular basis. Man, that was a year. I hope that none of you look back to 2020 and say, oh boy, that was my year. We've got to forget the successes in life. We've got to keep moving forward. Let me move on now to our third key. We've got evaluation. We've got elimination. And number three is concentration. Concentration. Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 and 14, Paul says, I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. And here's the new section. I press on to reach the end of the race. I press on to reach the end of the race. Now, grab a hold of this if you can this morning. If all that we ever do is forget the past, then the best that we have is amnesia. If all we do is say, wow, I've done a really good job of forgetting my failures. I've done a really good job of forgetting my successes, but we fail to move forward from there. All that we have is amnesia. Nothing beneficial is really taking place. That doesn't move us towards success. Why? Because successful people are goal-oriented. How many of you are goal-oriented? Any, any list makers in the house? I go into the office on Mondays, and one of the first things that I do is I begin to write out my list. In fact, uh, on my phone, I have an app called To Do. And on the To Do app, I have a list for me. I have a list for Pastor Andy. I have a list for my wife. Congratulations, Luke. This week, you made my list. (laughs) Pastor Luke and Pastor Tori have a a list on my list. Everyone in the office, I have personal list. I have church-oriented list. I have overall church list. I have list and list and list. Why? Because it feels really good when I can click that button and it's done and it does this. Oh, my phone's on silent. You missed it. It goes, ding. It's a great sound. 
You know, it's so much better than just taking a pencil and, and writing through, and I do that from time to time also. But man, on here when I can hear that ding and know, man, I have accomplished that task. There's something about concentrating on that situation. There's something about accomplishing that which is in front of me. Successful people focus not on the past, but on the future. Some of us here today need to learn what it means to press on to reach the end of the race. We get so busy focusing on yesterday. We get so busy focusing on the frustrations that we faced in life. We get so busy riding on the shirt tail of someone else's victory that we are not helping ourselves along the way. But Paul is talking about the power of concentration. He says, I press on to reach the goal. I press on to reach the end of the race. A few years ago, I heard a great statement. I kind of wrote it down in that moment. I returned it to it again. It's a statement by Henry Ford, and he said this, Obstacles are those frightful things you see when you take your eyes off the goal. Obstacles are those frightful things you see when you take your eyes off the goal. What are you focusing on today? What is it that has consumed your mind. Maybe, maybe it's that thing that's keeping you awake at night. Maybe it's that thing that, that the enemy keeps whispering in your ear. What is that obstacle that has taken control of your life? What is it you need to move away from and begin to concentrate on the finish line ahead of you? Evaluating where you are, eliminating that which is holding you back. But here's the question that begs to be asked What was Paul's goal? Yes, it was to reach the end of the race, but what was the ultimate goal in his life? Second Corinthians chapter 5, we find the answer. He says this So we make it our goal to please him. We make it our goal to please him. God, is that your goal today? Is that the desire of your heart? Did you rise this morning and go, Lord, what I want to do today, God, what I long to do today in my life is, God, I want to please you with all that I say. I want to please you with all that I do. God, I want to please you with everywhere I go. Lord, I want the steps that I take. I want the words that I speak to honor you, to reflect the goal which I pursue. What is the goal of your life? See, there isn't any greater reward in life than this, pleasing God. That's the greatest reward. Paul wanted to be able to hear this statement as he entered into glory. Well done, my good and faithful servants. You see, that's being a success. Success is not based upon what you earn here in this world. This is a temporary time, guys. As a believer, we're just passing through. This is our journey 
on the way to eternity in heaven. Success is not measured by, by what I wear, by how I look. To me, success is that moment that I step into the presence of God Almighty and he looks at me and he says, well done. Well done. You did what I called you to do. You went where I called you to go. You represented me well. What are you living for? What is the goal that you've placed in front of you? Because here's the deal. Without a goal, there is no destination. Think about that. Some of you are going to have that kind of moment this morning right after church. Did you know that? You're going to get in the car. All of your family is going to gather together. You're going to close the door. You're going to start the car. You're going to put it in the drive. And you're going to say, hey, where are we going to lunch? And your wife's going to say, I don't care. You choose. And you're going to say, how about we go to Little Bighorn? She goes, I really don't want Little Bighorn today. Okay, how about we go to Ellis? But I really don't want Ellis Balloon. Well, what do you want? I don't care. And you're not going to have a destination. And if you're like me, you get driving down the road. And then she looks at me and goes, well, where are you going? I don't know. I don't have a destination. I'm just driving down the road. We're going to find a place. At some point in time, I'm going to find a place to land. I'm going to find a place to pull in the parking lot. But some of us do that spiritually. We just drive around spiritually. We just kind of go around and meander through life. Where are you going? I don't know. I wonder, are we taking the time to evaluate where we are? To eliminate the distractions, the obstacles in front of us, the things that are slowing us down? Are we taking the time to really concentrate and say, Lord, what do you have in front of me? God, what's that going to be? Because where there is no goal, there is no destination. And finally, key number four, determination. Paul says, I press on to reach the end of the race and to receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Determination. Absolutely nothing in life worthwhile is going to happen without efforts. Agree or disagree? I've heard people say, well, I'll just make that in the microwave. I'm just telling you, microwave is not nearly as good. Right? Microwave popcorn. Not nearly as good as whirly pop. Now, I may be a popcorn snob. There's only a certain kind of popcorn I like, only certain ways I like it. In fact, on our list out in the lobby where they ask us to list our favorite things, one of them is favorite snack. I love popcorn, but I wasn't going to tell you that because you're going to get that nasty yellow popcorn, that Orville Redenbacher junk. No, it's got to be that purple or the white popcorn from the Amish store. Mmm. Let's take a moment. <laughs> and then you got to have that right kind of oil, you know, the oil from the Amish store that's got a little bit of a butter flavor to it, and you put it in the whirly popper and you let it spin. Oh, come on, somebody. 
But some of us are so satisfied with tossing the mic away for two minutes or whatever, and we pull it out, and it's got that fake fake butter flavor to it, and it sticks to the roof of your mouth, and your hands are coated in all the nastiness of that bag. Oh, don't, don't, don't do that. Some of you need to evaluate where you are, and you need to eliminate the junk in your life because you're going down the wrong road. We've got to be determined. In fact, this morning I was, just happened onto Facebook just for about 30 seconds this morning. I believe it was God-ordained in this moment because I ran across this statement. It says, expecting things to change without putting in any effort is like waiting for a ship at the airport. Think about that. Expecting things to change without putting in any effort is like waiting for a ship at the airport. Some of us were like, man, God, why aren't you doing anything in my life? God, why aren't you pouring into my life? I see you blessing this person. I see you blessing that person. But look at all the junk around me. And God says, what are you doing? What are you doing? The only way to coast in life is by going downhill. You'll never coast on a level service. You'll never coast going uphill. But Paul says, I press on. This requires determination. This requires work. This requires effort on every one of our parts. Some are saying, I can't do that, Pastor. I'm not Paul. I'm not this superhero dynamic guy like Paul. Well, here's what I've discovered. People who have made a difference in life are just ordinary people with an extraordinary amount of determination. Let that sink in. It's just ordinary people, average Joes like you and me, with an incredible amount of determination. A determination that says, I'm not going to quit. I'm never going to give up. The term press on here literally means to pursue. I press on. I pursue the end of the race. I pursue that finish line. Pre-COVID, I was going to the gym. Mid-COVID, I need to be in the gym. But pre-COVID, I was going to the gym, and every morning I would get on that bike because I don't do the treadmill because the Bible says only a fool runs when no one's chasing them. So I don't get on the treadmill. I get on the bike because it doesn't say anything about a bike in the Bible. So I get on there, and I begin going, and I've got a goal every day. My goal initially was five miles in the morning. So I would get on that. Can I be honest? About two and a half mile in, I'm like, even so, Lord, come quickly because I'm on my way to see you. This is rough. But I knew that I had to be determined. I knew that I had to really press forward. I knew that I had a goal in mind. So I kept watching that little gauge on the top. I kept watching the miles go up. And when I knew that I got four miles, then suddenly I got a rush because I knew I was getting close. But then, a few weeks in, I decided to do something different. And I said, what if we went to six miles? That's a lot harder. But you know what? When I was determined to get there, every time I arrived, 
every time I made it to the destination. Why? Because I knew where I started. I I pressed on. I, I pursued that finish line. And when I got there, I rejoiced in that moment. The Navy SEALs have a rule that they simply call the 40% rule. Anybody ever hear of the 40% rule? One of you in the room. Let me tell you what it is. Um, according to Forbes.com, it says, the 40% rule is simple. When your mind is telling you that you're done, that you're exhausted, that you can't possibly go any further, you're only actually 40% done. Let me back up and say that again. That, that moment you think, man, I am finished. There is not another ounce in me that can go. I can't push forward anymore. I'm just exhausted. You're actually only 40% done. The human mind is an amazing thing. It both propels us forward and holds us back. What would happen if as Christians, as believers, as followers of Jesus Christ, what would happen if we put as much energy into growing our relationship with Jesus Christ as we do in other areas of life? I've got to make more money I've got to do more. I've got to accomplish this. I've got this goal over here. But when it comes to our walk with Jesus Christ, we give him an hour and 15 on a Sunday morning, and we think that's going to do it. But what happens? What would happen in your life? What would happen today in this moment if you said, right now, I am determined I know there's times I'm, I feel exhausted. I know there's times that I feel like giving up. I know there's times that I want to throw in the towel. But what would happen if I began to press forward and push through in my walk with Jesus Christ? Paul said he's not going to stop. He's not going to give up. He's not going to quit. He's going to keep on pushing forward as he experiences the presence of God. He wanted to finish the purpose for which God made him. Here's the point. God saved you for a purpose. God saved me for a purpose. Every single one of us has a calling and a purpose in life. And I believe that God wants you to be a success at the purpose for which he's given you. I believe that God wants you to succeed, to thrive in that which he's placed inside of your life. It's time today that we pursue that passion, that we pursue that purpose, that we press on to reach the goal. Again, Paul says, I'm not going to quit. No matter what I face, no matter what I come up against, no matter what I experience in life, In fact, his final words before he was beheaded for being a believer was this. I fought the good fights. I finished the race. I have remained faithful. 
And now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. Paul says, I fought the good fight. I did not give up even in the midst of this opposition that I'm facing right now. I didn't give up. And now, now what awaits me, because I took the time to evaluate where I was, I took the time to really press in, to eliminate all the junk in my life. I took the time to, to concentrate in my pursuit with Jesus Christ. I took the opportunity to be determined as I pursued the finish line. Now what awaits me is a crown of righteousness. But here's what I want you to hear today. This prize that Paul's talking about, it wasn't just for superhero Paul, right? What, what, what's he say? And this prize is not just for me, but for, say it with me, all. But there's a contingency here. He doesn't just say it's there, everyone's going to get it. This is, a, this is a 2020 prize. You get a trophy just for showing up. No, no, no. There's a contingency here. This prize is not just for me, Paul, but for all who do what? Eagerly look forward to his appearance. For those that are determined in their walk with Jesus Christ. Paul's not talking about salvation. That's a free gift. Jesus Christ already paid the price for that. He's talking about, you ready for this, the results of pressing on the results of not giving up, the results of focusing on the goal in front of us. Don't give up. Don't give up on your dreams. Don't give up on your pursuit of God. Don't give up on the relationship that God's placed you in. You will reap the harvest at the proper time. I ask you today, which of the keys do you need to pick up? Try as we might, the wrong key is never going to unlock the lock. I was looking through in my workroom just last night. I have a couple padlocks, and I was trying to find the key for them. And I, I found the padlock, found the two padlocks that I was looking for, and I had in my hand, and I'm scouring through the, the tools and everything else in my workroom, and I found a set of keys, and I thought, ah, oh, I got them. There's two keys. There's two locks. This has got to be it. But guess what? No go. The key didn't fit. And I fear that sometimes in our lives, in our walk with God, we're picking up a key, and we're, we're trying to fit in that keyhole, but it just doesn't fit. Over the last two weeks, I've given you four keys. And I wonder which of these keys do you need to grab a hold of today? Is it evaluation? Maybe you're at 
point A, the starting point, the, the starting block, the opening gates. You gotta figure out where you are. You gotta define that relationship. And many of you did that last week. Maybe you've got to, to eliminate some junk, some things that are holding you back. Maybe for you, you, you've, you lack a, a bit of concentration in your life. You're a little bit too squirrel-fied. You know what I'm saying? You're, you're here you are, and oh, squirrel. You see shiny things and you divert to that. And God's saying, man, would you, would you concentrate? There's a goal in front of you because when you're not concentrating on your goal, you're going to get sidetracked. You're going to trip over the hazards along the way. Maybe for you it's a lack of determination. When is the last time that you sat down and had a real personal time of evaluating your personal life or your marriage, your career, your relationship with God? See, every one of us have things we don't like about ourselves, things that we'd love to change. But unless we do something about it, we will never see a change. Are you continuing to let your past control you? I believe that we need to be a people that are less concerned about the past and more concerned about the future. Where are we headed? How are we going to get there? So I ask you today, is there a key that you need to pick up? Is there something, some door along the way that you've been standing at and you're thinking, man, I'd love to get beyond that door, but the door seems locked. And God's saying, today I offer you the key. If you'll just turn that key, if you just unlock that door, it's going to take some effort. It's going to take some hard work. Are you willing to do it? Would you bow your heads with me today? God, right now, I pray that you'll look across this room. Lord, in a, in a room of people, this amount of people, Lord, I'd venture to say there are many that are lacking that key. They haven't yet picked it up. But today, Lord, we need the courage. We need the strength to follow you in this pursuit. Speak to our hearts right now. In Jesus' name. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, you're here today and you say, Pastor, and you were speaking right to me. There's some things that I need to change. I've limited what God's able to do because I haven't yet picked up the key to open up that door. And, and today, I want to open that door. Because I know that God's got something around the corner for me. I know God's got something he wants to do in my life. I want to pursue that with utmost determination and concentration. But I need God's help. If any one of these four keys is something that you are needing in your life, right now, would you raise your hand? All across the house. Yes, one, two, three, 
four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Other others? The second question is this. It's a question I ask every week, the most important question you will ever be asked in life. Do you have a relationship with Jesus? Have you asked him to come into your heart? Have you asked him to come into your life? Whether you're here in person or you're sitting at home right now, you're you're talking to yourself and you're hearing God speak to you and there's a void in you. And God says, I'm standing at the door. I'm knocking right now. Would you let me in? If that's you, you want to ask Jesus to come into your life, would you raise your hand? 